everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Before we get started today, I wanna tell you about a free webinar that's right around the corner. It's part of our nine principles in action series. The topic is spring ahead, analyze impact to accelerate forward. You'll learn how to analyze the impact of your current strategies to ensure alignment to the highest leverage moves for your next school year. The webinar will be happening on March 15th at 2 p.m. Central. To register, head over to Studer Education, S-T-U-D-E-R-E-D-U-C-A-T-I-O-N dot com slash events and click on event on the right-hand side of the page. We'd love for you to join us at the webinar. Now let's dive into today's episode. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest, Dr. Amy Fowler, who will be leading that webinar next Tuesday. Amy joined the Studer Education team this past December. Over the last 30 years, she has worked as an educator dedicated to improving educational outcomes for students who have historically been underserved to achieve college degrees. Amy began her career in Santa Monica, California as a middle school history, science, and AVID teacher before she moved into site and district leadership. After that, she served as a consultant in partnership with Charlotte Danielson, supporting teacher evaluation processes and the delivery of quality feedback for professional growth. Amy has served as a central office leader for two different charter management organizations in the Bay Area of California, Aspire Public Schools and Downtown College Prep, as well as Deputy Secretary of Education for the state of Vermont. Amy received a Bachelor of Arts degree and a Master of Education degree from UCLA. She received a Master of Education degree from Cal State University, as well as a Doctor of Education degree from the Harvard University Graduate School of Education. So it's my pleasure today to welcome Amy to our show. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much, Janet. It's a pleasure to be with you and the listeners today. So fun to have you. So let's start, Amy, with as I just talked to our listeners about your experience in education over the last three decades, it's certainly impressive. Uh, You've taught, you've worked in district leadership, you've received multiple degrees in education. So Would you share a little bit with our listeners about what attracted you to work in this field? Sure. Actually, I started off thinking I would be a corporate lawyer when I was a young person. And when I was in college, I had a remarkable experience where I was tutoring in um, juvenile halls. And as a result of that experience, one of the young men I was tutoring was just so capable. And um, we sat down for a tutoring session where I thought we'd be reviewing fractions or how to multiply and add. And he wanted help with his pre-calculus work so he could complete his high school diploma. And on my ride home, I asked, how is it possible that I'm at UCLA and having this wonderful experience and this young man is um, incarcerated? How could that be the case? And the tutor that was with me said, 
well, let's talk about it. And that started my journey on understanding the difference in community and educational opportunities. And I made a commitment that I was going to work to change that outcome so that the students I served would have every opportunity to enjoy the privileges that I had the ability to do. And then ever since then, each time I've had kind of a switch in role, it's sort of been there's a question that's been asked, an opportunity that presented that said, you know, you could make a, a different kind of impact if you tried this and you um, sort of dove in and, and it's been a driving force ever since. Yeah. You know, I think about you had that experience and then you made a decision to go into education. You know, I think I had, I mean, it's interesting because when I first started teaching, I probably didn't know, I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, <laughs> I mean, I started teaching and then when I got my first teaching job, you know, I had stories that were very impactful in that way. You know, and it changes you forever, doesn't it? I mean, it just changes your your whole perspective in life. Absolutely. So you have so much experience in the field and, and your learnings over the years will be valuable to share with the partners that you work with and who are on this journey to continuous improvement and great leadership. What aspect of your work do you most enjoy as being a leader coach now? Oh my goodness. Um, so picking just one is actually really hard, but it's the relationships that I get to develop with the leaders that I'm working with. Um, there isn't a person that I sit down to have a conversation to talk about where they want to get better, that I'm not inspired, one, where they already are. You know, these are leaders who are already doing really excellent work, and I'm impressed. I'm thinking, oh, I wish I'd done that. And here they are wanting to get better and they want a thought partner, someone who can listen, help them talk about the possible pitfalls, the possible advantages, and then they're going to make a decision. And just to know that you can support them in that effort is such an honor. So I'm so impressed when I sit down with um, the partners I have to hear what they're working on and to just be there alongside them. They're really inspiring people that we get to work with. Yes, they absolutely are. You know, they, and as uh, you've heard me say many times, Amy, they, they dr truly do become our friends. You know, and the, I mean, you can't, you, we talk to each other and try to work through problems and situations um, together. And, uh, you know, they just become a part of, part of our life, just like our students did when we were teaching them in particular ways. You know, you, you can't, there people, people make an impact on you that, that I know, um, you know, just on a weekly basis, I just think about how much I grow from those interactions. And that's what I, what I hear you say. It's, it's such a nice place to be. So, you know, at this point, this is the time of year, you know, that, that first of all, we're, we're in full swing, <laughs> you know, kind of beginning to think about in mid-year to end of year. And, and uh, now is also the time leaders are looking to plan for next year, planning and budgeting for 2022 and 2023. So in order to, and you've had a great opportunity with your experience to be right in that place. So in order to successfully plan for and get ready for the next school year, where should leaders start? Well, I think one of the first things that we want to do is look at what did we intend to do? And then have we worked towards that effort and how well is it going? But before we make the plans for the next thing to do, we should slow down and check in with our constituents to get more information about the next step. So I'm just gonna give one example. Perhaps we were doing some kind of professional development with our teachers this year, and we've given it, and we've studied it, and we're not really seeing it in the classroom. And 
we want to think about well, why might that be? Some of us, if we're just working in our own offices, might jump to a conclusion, but maybe sitting down with some teachers, even a focus group, can help us know, like, yeah, I went to the professional development, but I didn't really understand it, or I went, I haven't had an opportunity to use it, or I have been using it, you just haven't seen it. Because those things are all possible. Yeah. So I think the key is to slow down so that you can go fast later, right? Like take a little bit more time to look at the source of data that you have right now, and then ask a couple more questions before you make that next plan for the new year. And the last thing I want to say about that too, is I think that, um, you know, we regularly have these experiences and we experience complaints where we're um, in initiative fatigue. You know, we did this thing this year, so next year let's do this other thing really taking some time to think about the degree to which that new practice has become hardwired or embedded within our school system, our organization. And maybe actually our best bet is to spend another year getting much better at whatever it was we started this year rather than starting something new. Yeah, I love that. I mean, just you know, slow down to go fast, getting input along the way um, and really looking at that data that's in front of you to have those conversations to know, you know, where to go. I mean, what what decisions to make? I, I love that, Amy. And I think if we all live with that advice, we'll we'll be better, better off in the decisions that we make. Um, so what are some key areas right now that leaders can look at in this current school year and can assess and learn from to help them set up for success in the fall? What are some of those? Um, so I think particularly as we've come back from COVID, it's really important for folks to be thinking about what did they intend to do and what were they able to do? Because in all likelihood, some great plan you had last spring is sitting on the shelf. You weren't able to do all of it because you had to pivot to other things that were more immediate. I don't think this is the time to abandon that original plan. You had a good reason for wanting to work on those things, it likely still exists and you can use that to keep going. Um, there are also probably some places that you've discovered new things that you need to address. I know in the partners I'm speaking to, staffing and, and staff turnover have been big issues in this particular time frame, And so you might actually need to pause something else in order to privilege something that's become a higher priority. It doesn't mean that you are giving up on your goals of improvement if you are not looking directly to um, the things that are right in front of you. We have to be attentive. Um, but I'm also reminded, I was just having a conversation with uh, Pat Greco, one of our other coaches, and she was talking about how in the healthcare industry, particularly in emergency rooms, they're always in crisis and they can't wait to attend to things that need to get better. And much the same, the school year has felt like a lot of crisis for very many of us as leaders. That doesn't mean we can wait to improve processes in the meantime too. So it's balancing all of those things. But I think the most important part is actually deciding I'm gonna plan for next year. I'm gonna put something down and I'm gonna think about it, even if it means I have to alter the plan as new things come up. Yeah, great advice. Um, and, you know, in the turning it just a little bit, Amy, you know, is there anything leaders should know about that that they can get it that could get in the way of them planning for a successful school year or something like anything they want to avoid right now? Yeah, I think the place for avoiding is the temptation to make a plan be um, so tight or so concrete that there isn't room to pivot or that it's too grand. 
So, you know, we talked frequently about the amount of time that you might dedicate to your improvement efforts. And, and you know, you have to be able to spend 80% of your work effort on your standard core business, the things that you need to get done on a daily basis. So if your plan for next year's improvement is going to take half of people's time to do, it's not going to be successful. So really narrowing down to your highest priorities, something that can be reasonably accomplished, and then being in a position to say, well, maybe I can't do all of it, but I could do some of it. And some is better than nothing. Yeah. I think that's extremely important. You know, I, you know, just from our work together in your short time with us, you know, I love the bullseye. So, um, you know, and it's that, it is that bullseye approach of really looking at what's core and making sure that we don't let anything get in the way of our, what our core business is, so to speak, or what we have to do in order to ensure um, that we are achieving success in the ways that are most significant to us and, um, you know, really driving that hard. And I think that's right, Amy, what you said, you know, about 80% of our work is really focused on that. And if we're not focusing about 80% of our time on that core work that we're doing, we're probably getting off track or we're, we're going to overburden or put so many things on the plate, it becomes chaotic. Yeah. And Janet, I want to add to that. I think that's so accurate. And also our feelings of success. If we've set up a plan that is going to require so much we can't do it, then we say, oh, that didn't work. And it can lead to us giving up on the improvement. If we say, this is the small thing we're going to work on in order to get better, we see that success. It creates that, that sense of empowerment, of efficacy that then leads to the next thing. So really defining a narrow area for improvement is very helpful. That's right. It gives us true opportunity, as our colleague always says as well, Amy, Pat Greco, you know, to recognize those bright spots along the way and do that often. Absolutely. Um, so as we close today, um, what piece of advice would you give to leaders to help them balance finishing strong this year while also preparing for next year? So I was just thinking about, Pat, as you said that, uh, Janet, that, you know, really taking the time to celebrate what we've done well. You know, the news is always going to capture the places where things aren't going well, the gaps, the struggles that we're facing. When I think about what school leaders have been doing this year as they've supported students in coming back to school, healing communities that have been, you know, struggling with all kinds of different issues, these leaders are extraordinary. And the schools have continued to provide great service to their students and great service to their staff. And take the time to make sure that you celebrate those wins and create the conditions that want that make it that everyone wants to keep working with you towards better service even next year so i'd say that would be the most important thing is to celebrate those successes and make sure people know how much you appreciate the efforts they've made it's so 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 important and um you know what one thing i don't I, i'm sure you say this as well amy but i find myself saying it to um to, to leaders is, you know, it, when we say that we have great intentions, but we have to basically, you know, build that into our practice, right? And we have to build, you know, so it's, it's things like put, put as when you have for, for your agenda, for your weekly agenda, if you have meetings, you know, put wins at the top of that agenda so you don't miss it. And it's really, as you were talking about hardwiring that one thing that we're going to consistently do that, that really encourages us and helps us intentionally act in that way. Yes, um, and Janet, if I could give um, just one thing on that, something that you've taught me that I think is so important is that that hardwiring of the wins at the top 
it isn't that you need to hear a win from everyone. And so sometimes what we do in our meetings is we'll share, there's this thing, think about your wins, think about your celebrations. And we might sample four or five people in the room, but it's not everyone. And I think leaders, if, if you can give yourself permission to not be universal, but to allow yourself to sample your folks, to give everyone a chance to individually reflect, maybe only share a few and then rotate that throughout your team over time, that's really powerful and um, also much more doable. And so yeah. I, I love the doability of the things that we engage in. Yeah, I think that's a great way to close too. And, and um, something thematically that has gone through our conversation today is, you know, you're really, you know, things, make sure that we build our work and process around things that are doable and, um, and that we can achieve success and we can challenge ourselves as we do that. Uh, but Amy, I, I really appreciate the conversation today. I've appreciated you being part of our team. I uh, just was so glad to have you in Pensacola at our strategy session in, in December and get to meet you personally. That's really important. And um, thank you for being part of our show today and uh, look forward to other conversations with you. Thank you for having me. So I thank you all for our conversation today. Uh, just really enjoyed uh, listening to Amy, and I haven't had that opportunity uh, because Amy's relatively new to our team, but just really enjoyed the recommendations that she provided today because they're, um, they're encouraging and they're practical and there are ways that we can really encourage our people to get phenomenal results and help our students and families uh, in our schools. So appreciate Amy's um, contributions to our field. To register for the webinar, Amy will be leading on March 15th. Head to studereducation.com slash events. That's S-T-U-D-E-R-E-D-U-C-A-T-I-O-N dot com slash events. And then click on the event on the right-hand side of the page. It's free and we'd love to see you there. You can also learn more about our upcoming virtual events on that page, so please visit. As always, thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share this episode with a friend or a colleague and take a moment to follow and rate our podcast and Apple Podcasts. Your feedback is valuable to us. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week, everyone.